Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Suave. Been in my back for a while, I'm invincible Story of a young boss, grinding shit critical Calling on my bros one time, cause you special I had some hood dreams of right rounds for my mentor Every target that I shoot is on point like a pencil Different road change relationships, I'm so sorry Came up from the trenches and I made it, I say hardly now- Bet Online remains your number one source for all of your sports betting this season Everything from pro and college basketball to UFC, MMA and more You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. With live betting options, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable, Bet Online is truly the fastest and easiest way to bet all of your favorite leagues and events. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code BELIEVE, that's B L E A V, to receive your rewards. BetOnline.ag, where the game starts. All righty, guys. We are back with another episode of the What's in Your Bag podcast. I am Andrew Robinson, and today I'm actually joined by a new co-host. We got one of my guys, you know what I'm saying? This is uh, somebody who I've known for a couple years. You know what I'm saying? We go way, way back. Um, but this guy is is, is super overqualified uh, to be on this platform. I want to actually give him his his flowers and give him a, a introduction right now. Um Graduated from North Carolina A and T at the ripe age of what? What were you twenty when you graduated? Child, child. Prodigy. Yeah, I was. Uh, I was twenty, like a, a crisp twenty, like a like just got to twenty. Facts. Like facts. Just getting over twenty. Facts. So my guy graduated college at twenty years old. Uh, he got in the media career early. Now he's working up at ESPN, doing some big time things for all the live shows that, that you guys see on NFL Live. Uh, a bunch of those those shows. Um, and we're honored to have him on the. All facts platform now helping us out with the what's in your bag platform. So, Tank, man, thank you for joining us today. And uh, shoot, man, I'm excited to finally get you on the platform. You know, bro, like when I first asked about getting on the platform, I didn't think really I had like enough like in my bag to really get out there. You feel me? So, like, I'm glad we figured it out. But definitely, definitely part of the cabbage part of the team, man. Can't wait to get started with y'all, man. No doubt, no doubt. Now, um, before I introduce our guest. Uh, who is also overqualified to be on this platform. We're going to give her her flowers in a second. Uh, I want to remind you guys to like this podcast, subscribe to this podcast, share this podcast, tell a friend to tell a friend. It does go a long, long way um, in getting this to the right people. You know what I'm saying? We appreciate all the love, support, the comments that you guys have already showed us so far. That was my guy, Pull Up Tay, on the intro. It's going to be him on the outro as well. Make sure y'all stream his music. He's one of the hottest up-and-coming artists in the DMV. So go, go ahead and tap in with my guy. Um, but now that we got all the business out the way, um, it's time to introduce our guests. Um, and me and our guests, we actually go way back, man, to them college days in New Haven. I attended Quinnipiac. She attended Yale. Clearly, she was way smarter than me. Um, but <laughs> she is somebody who is, like I said, man, uh, she has quite the resume, man. She is... A member of the Nigerians Women's National Soccer Team, 2017 Ivy League Co-Player of the Year, 2017 Unanimous Ivy League First Team Selection. She has a bachelor's degree from Yale University in Molecular, Cellular, and Developmental Biology, and a master's degree from the University of Tennessee in Sports Psychology and Motor Behaviors, and current member of the Houston Dash of the National Women's Soccer League. We are honored to be joined by 
my good friend Michelle Alozi. Thank you. That was wow. Whoa, you need to chill with those accolades, but thank you. I really appreciate it. And I'm super excited to be on this platform. We're gonna have fun. Yes, yes, we are. Next, next time we introduce her, bro, we just gotta be like real smart and real athletic, bro. Just keep it <laughs> straightforward. Like facts, facts, facts. Um, but nah, man, like I said, this has been um a long time making a long time in the making because like I said, you've been doing some great things uh since 2019, uh, when I believe we both graduated. I, I know I graduated in 2019. You graduated, yep, since 2019, we both left New Haven. Um, you've done some amazing things. But you know, before we get into all that, I read I read off, you know, your extensive resume, but I kind of want to rewind a little bit and start off um, you know, with your upbringing. You know, obviously I know you're a California girl. Um, from my research, I figured out you 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 grew up in a small town, Apple Valley, California. Um yeah. not really too familiar with it, but I'm sure that. Um, you know, I want to give you a chance to just talk about your upbringing, growing up in California, and you know what introduced you to to soccer in the first place. Yeah, so I was born actually in San Diego, and I was there for a little bit, and then we ended up moving up to Apple Valley, and it's kind of like in the mountains of California that no one really talks about. So like it like would snow up where I'm from, but I'm still in Southern California, so it was really weird. But it was definitely like a very small, um, definitely like a town, not a city, like less than like definitely less than a hundred thousand people in my like town like my class only had like four thousand people and that was like a big high school and stuff like that so um it was definitely just really small um and I actually I feel like I really enjoyed it because if I truly like grew up in LA or like San Diego I'd probably have a big old head right now but um I loved it it, it maybe stay in tune with my roots for sure but um really soccer was just kind of ingrained in me just because I'm Nigerian and so like football is just like huge part of our culture and our identity and so everyone in my family like every cousin every aunt every uncle my parents everyone has played soccer so it was honestly just kind of like a no-brainer of course I'm going to play soccer um and then I just really fell in love with it yeah so like the bounce off that you said like you just sort of fell in love with soccer like that was in your blood but how did how do we get to the track part then? Soccer is such a big part. Like, how did you get to you like also being tracked? Like, you saw it. Like, you were actually like a stud in track as well. So, like, sort of like how did you sort of balance that? Like, what made you get the track really in the first place? Yeah, honestly, any extra sport I did was for soccer. So I did track, I did cross country, and I did cross country because like soccer, you're just running crazy miles and you don't notice. So I just wanted to get my stamina up, and then for track I really just wanted to get like my running form really well so that I could be really fast on the soccer field and so I kind of just did those two sports for soccer at the end of the day which I love it now because I feel like track really built a really good um, foundation for me um, and has made me really quick and just kind of have those fundamentals and and cross country got me the the stamina for soccer so it, it was really good. So, so let me get this straight. You was out here setting school records in the hundred and two hundred meters just as a I'ma just I'ma just do this so I can, you know, prepare for soccer. Is that is that what I'm hearing, Meech? Like you was just out there casual with it. I'm freaking dead. Yeah, a little bit. Like, I don't know. I couldn't actually do track. Like if it really came down to it, like I couldn't. I feel like it's a lot of pressure. It takes a certain type of person to be like your own like team really because really it's just you at the end of the day unless you're doing like four by four and stuff but 
oh man, uh, I was just blessed with, with my Nigerian genes to be a little fast. So there wasn't many Nigerians up there. So I, I was <laughs> blowing people out. But once it really comes down to it, Sydney, Sydney McLaughlin would have me in the dust. Gabby Thompson would have me in the dust. So I'm okay. <laughs> I'll stick to soccer. <laughs> I got you. I got you. So you also out there setting school records. I read this that you once scored uh, seven goals in a game in high school, and you had forty-four <laughs> goals in the season. So, like, who you was out there running running laps around folks out there, huh? <laughs> no, it was really fun. High school soccer was fun. I think I only played like a year or two. I wasn't like that like obsessed with it just because I was like kind of really intense with soccer, and so just being in an environment where like other people weren't that intense made me like not want to be there. So I, I only did soccer there for, I think two years, but um, it was definitely really fun. And it, it definitely built my confidence up a lot. Um, so I'm really thankful for that. So then talk All to right, me. So seven go no, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. So like seven, so seven goals, one matches. It's just like, just to keep it fun. Seven goals in one matches. So like a lot of people don't have that athlete, like just in their badges that they oh, get that many in one match. Oh, yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty OD. That's pretty OD. So like just speaking on, from like a soccer standpoint, like who would like be your favorite player? Like I know you're a forward, but like you have seven goals. Like do you favor goal scorers since you're a forward and you got already got seven in your bag? Or is it just more so like, do you pick it off like somebody who just has like crazy feels where you love the energy to bring to the game? Um, I think, well, growing up, my like I really looked up to Mario Balotelli and he's the big reason why um, I do like two different colored cleats. Like when I play soccer, like I don't really care what color, but this season was blue and black, but last season was black and white. And so he just like had a really cool swagger. He played for... Italy um and on the international level and he was just like a beast like he was just like all power like just crazy like a muscle machine um and he just had like this like I don't I don't really care attitude and I like love that swag like he just not really caring what people say or think about him and so I love that but um he has his issues too but um I really looked um, up to him like he's definitely like one of my my favorite people for sure was it the hair or the cleats like you could be honest <laughs> it was he, the he had the crazy hair too oh, the hair looked a little crazy sometimes i was like what, what you got going on up there but his cleat swag was was dope and, and he just had a, a really cool swagger in general <laughs> so i read something that said you play forward i believe for the dash and you play uh defense for the nigerian national team how do you do that? Because that's two completely separate positions, two completely separate parts of the field. I did play soccer back in my day. You know what I'm saying? I wasn't I wasn't on your level, but I did lead my team in goals. I scored 11 goals in one season. Mind you, this is like Montgomery <laughs> County Rec League soccer. So we only had like seven seven games. So I was averaging more than one goal per game. You know what I'm saying? Back in my day, I was I was like that. You feel me? Um. So that is two. That's that's like that's wild. You feel me? So can you talk to us about that? Like. How that came about, number one, like how you and how you able to have the feel uh, to be able to, to to pull that off. Yeah, so actually, um, I getting onto the Nigerian national team, I wasn't one hundred percent gonna get on, but I got invited, and literally the first game, which was um, against Jamaica um, in the U.S., actually it was in Houston. Um, they one of our defenders went down. 
And again, this is like my first game with them. I just started training with them like a couple of days ago. And the coach looks at me and he's like, Michelle, like, would you be a defender? And I was like, yeah, like, I don't care. Like, yep, I feel comfortable. He's like, you feel comfortable out there? I was like, yep. I was just lying through my teeth. Like, I didn't care. Like, I would play any position as long as it got me onto that field, like to play for Nigeria finally, like it would be insane. And so I just think I just had a lot of confidence and I just like went in thinking like I literally have nothing to lose. Um, And although like I've never played defense before, like, you know, I obviously understand soccer and I understand like what a defender does when I'm trying to attack them. And so I kind of just like use that and kind of just use my strength, which is really just like attacking um and like kind of in this game of soccer having a defender that attacks is like really really good and it's kind of hard to read so I kind of just like did that I was like screw it I'm just gonna be a forward really that's super deep on the field and I'm just gonna attack all the time and it ended up working out and he really liked how I played and it kind of just stuck (laughs) unfortunately kind of (laughs) like I would love to play forward with them but obviously I'll, I'll just do whatever the team needs me to do so that's defense for Nigeria. Now speaking, you spoke on being invited to play for the Nigeria team. So can you sort of give us insights like what that process was like to get that invitation? Like where were like was it like a tryout situation? Was it just a situation like you know, we seen your tape, like we really like what we see, like can you come out? Like what mm-hmm. exactly was that uh invitation process like? Yeah, so actually when I heard that Nigeria was gonna come to Houston um for the summer series versus the US. Um, U.S., Portugal, and um, Jamaica, I was like, wow, this is like a really good opportunity for me to like maybe come into one of their practices just because I'm already here in Houston. Um, Season was like slowing down because it was an international break. And so um, I asked my coach at the time to message the Nigeria coach who used to be the old Houston Dash coach like forever ago. And so I was like, okay, like I really hope this connection is able to like link up for me. And um, so I just asked him to do that. Um, The coach, the Nigerian coach ended up saying like, yeah, of course, like um, we'll come out to one of your guys' trainings and we happen to be like doing a scrimmage. So he like saw me actually play, which I think really helped me. And then the next day he was like, okay, like she can come out to train. And then I was training for them with them for two days and then he was like okay we'll roster you and I was like whoa I was like wait hold on I'm about to be rostered like on the Nigerian national team he's like yeah just give us your password but like whatever and I was like oh okay this is really happening like cool 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 um so yeah I feel like it really like happened like surreally honestly and it happened really really fast um like I feel like I blinked and all of a sudden I was on the Nigerian national team so (laughs) but it was really fun (laughs) So just a quick question. Do you feel like it was easier to go onto the dash or do you feel like it was easier to get onto the Nigerian national team? I don't know because also with dash, I ended up just emailing the coach and like asking him to try out. So I've tried out for both the Nigerian team and Houston dash. So um, it definitely took me longer to actually get on the roster here at Houston. Um, But still, it was just kind of like a prayer and a hope, like just sending out emails and kind of just like trusting yourself at the end of the day to like put your best foot forward um, and do what you got to do to get get on the roster. I think that's so crazy that like. Number one, somebody who had the resume that you had coming out of college, um, outstanding college career had to like send out an email or try out whatever to be able to make a roster. Like I think in the, if we look at other sports, right? You look at the NBA, you have like 
the NBA draft, the NFL draft, and like where scouts are constantly looking for players to you know bring into the the league. Obviously, they had the draft. I know in the in National Women's Soccer League as well. Um, but for you, like, what do you think that says about just um, pro sports in general, man? That like at the end of the day, you were able to go out on your own accord and make it happen for yourself. As to where now you just signed a two year extension with the Dash, like you've been able to mm-hmm. kind of build a successful career for yourself, just kind of you know betting on yourself essentially and just making it happen yeah I mean honestly I feel like that just shows like just my whole um journey into the pros and onto uh, the Nigerian national team it just shows that like you don't have to be this like all-american like expected number one draft pick like you really don't have to do any of that or you don't have to be any of that you don't have to like go to these like the top five conferences, like the big five conferences, you don't have to finish from Stanford or like an SEC school or anything like that. Um, You really just like, honestly have to like believe in yourself and to kind of just trust the process, whatever that looks like to you and kind of just like have faith in yourself at the end of the day. Um, Because like, I definitely wasn't an All-American. I wasn't, I had like cool accolades in college, sure, but people were doing some crazy stuff um, at other schools. So even though I wasn't like at the top, I was still able to, you know, end up here in pros and with the national team, um, truly just off of my own like volition and truly like believing myself and like putting in that work to to get to where I wanted to be. It's a gem right there. Ooh, yeah, drop it. Just <laughs> <laughs> um, while we're here, like I want to kind of uh, stick with this, you know, Nigerian national team wave. Um, you guys are going to be competing in this year's 2023 World Cup. Like, we just finished watching the World Cup this last uh, year. Obviously, Argentina was able to win that. Uh, Messi finally got the monkey off his back. I saw you on social media watching the game. Um, but now, like, to be able to, like, watch that as a fan, right, and as a soccer player, just be like, damn, like, the World Cup. And now to be able to have an opportunity to potentially play in that yourself, like, you know, what does that mean for you to have that opportunity to be able to play on one of the biggest stages in the world when it comes to soccer? Yeah, I mean, it's a little premature. I haven't, like, officially made the roster yet. But to even be, like, this close and to have this opportunity is, like, literally insane to me. And I feel like it's not truly going to hit me until, like, I'm literally, like, in Australia, like, at the pitch, like, like boots laced up and I'm, like, stepping on the field because it's just so crazy. Like, I've literally watched the World Cup all my life and, like, just seeing these people on the screen and like looking up to them, them not knowing me, like I'm just like this little girl in this little town. And yet I'm like watching these like insane athletes, both on the men and women's side, like playing at the highest level. Um, And just like now thinking that I can be that person that I used to watch on TV. It's like really weird. Like, and I feel like I almost have like imposter syndrome where I'm like, that's like not actually me or like, I shouldn't like be here like this is really weird but like man I am so thankful and I'm like so grateful to even have this opportunity or be this close we're setting up a prayer you know what I'm saying we're going to speak in existence you know what I'm saying uh, <laughs> we'll be a member of the Nigerian women's soccer team Super Falcons Super Falcons yes right? yes 2023 man we're claiming it now so when you make the yeah. rock we're going to throw this clip out there you're like yeah love it then, claim it <laughs> just speaking like more so like on a nigerian team like that team is just like 
that's a very prestigious team, like a very prestigious when it comes to just not even just the World Cup, but like the African Cup, just the overall presence of women's soccer. Can you just sort of speak like a little bit more like what it means for you to sort of make that team? Like at the time that you did, like I know just to be sort of still early on in your career and still be able to make such a prestigious, prestigious team and being able to have the chance to compete on that type of level, like what it means to you. Yeah, I mean, I think it's honestly everything for me to, like, be able to wear the Nigerian crest. And um, it's, like, I think it's just so funny because, like, just being a first-gen American with expat parents um, and, like, growing up, especially in, like, the small town that I had where, like, xenophobia was, like, real and I would, like, try to, like, not be Nigerian or, like, try to like have my parents like water down their accents and stuff like that just because I felt like like out of touch with my peers you know and it's so crazy like kind of having this full circle moment where now I'm like so incredibly proud to be Nigerian and be able to wear the crest and be able to like have my last name and my whole culture my whole family on my back um as I play um it's it like means way way more than me than just like you know, going to a World Cup or being able to to play soccer. Um, so I feel like it just like means like literally the world to me and means the world to my family. I love that I'm able to represent them and my culture and my heritage and like truly just be so proud um, of where I, I've come from and where my family has come from. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, so pivoting a little bit, I want to talk to you about like where did Yale come into the picture, right? So you're in high school in California. Like, how did it come about that you're gonna attend Yale? I mean, that's obviously mm -hmm. not something that everybody gets the opportunity to do. So, what was your career process like in high school? Um, and then mm -hmm. how did you narrow it down and, and end up choosing Yale? Mm -hmm. Um, again, being in the small town that I was and having um being a first gen, my parents not really understanding the college system, let let alone like being recruited um it was like really slow for me in the sense that a lot of soccer um like high school soccer players already like committed to schools they're like freshman year and I didn't commit to Yale until my junior year so I was like late people say um but really I just got onto a like a really good club team that was able to get me exposure and um I was pretty set on like being like a walk-on at Stanford or something like that like I really wanted to go to Stanford. It was like my dream school and I was like gonna go there regardless. But then Yale came to the picture and my parents were kind of just like, well, Michelle, like if you're not gonna get this scholarship, like get like all your your scholar or your um, college paid for, um, then maybe you should just like go to Yale, get the really good education um and, and just like kind of go from there and it was kind of hard because like having that mindset that I really want to go pro you don't hear people going pro from the Ivy League and like any sport you know and so I was just like if I go to Yale like am I like ruining my shots at going pro was like a big thing for me but um I think the coach at the time really kind of ingrained in me that you make the best of your situation so although you know it's not like the top five like big conferences or whatever or like a feeder to the um, NWSL um, you kind of just make it like you can be the first one to get drafted and, and go to um, to the league from Yale um, you like you don't need to like be a follower you can like be that leader for for the Ivy League 
And I think that kind of just like made me even more so determined, you know, to, to be able to go to Yale and, and go pro. Like just sort of speak on that, like the way you were sort of alluding to it, like you sort of already in your mind had an idea like, yeah, I'm going to go pro at soccer. So like at what point did you, like in your journey, did you be like, oh yeah, like I'm, I'm going to go pro with this. Like, oh yeah, like I have the time to go pro. Like, do you have like a specific moment you look back to and you're like, yeah, like this is going to be, this is what it is. Mm -hmm. No, definitely. I think around, I think my sophomore, junior year of um, high school, um, I got, I was like in the U.S. like youth pool, like for the U.S. women's national team. And the coach at the time was just telling me like that I had like so much potential and I was just like really raw with my skill. And that if I was able to like kind of just zone in and hone in on um, my abilities that I could be like a really, really good and influential soccer player. And so like, I think that was the time where I was like, wait, like if I really just like take this serious, if I go to college and kind of like improve on, on what I think I need to improve on, then I think that I could like truly be a professional athlete. Um, and, and yeah, so it was around that time. So you're born in San Diego, uh, Apple Valley, California, and you take that flight probably what, six hours, I think all the way across to New Haven, Connecticut. So what's that? I don't even want to call it a culture shock, but what's it like going from California all the way across the country or from your family to Yale? Um, obviously, it's freezing cold in Connecticut in the winters. There aren't the beaches of California. So you get on campus freshman year and, like, you know, what's going through your head? I mean, I assume you probably got a chance to at least, you know, visit before you came up there. But, you know, what were your first – I guess just living there, what was your first impressions on campus and kind of how was that adjustment period for you when you first got there? Man, yeah. That's a nasty flight. It's a nasty flight. Oh, man. Wait, I don't want to hear that about the nasty flights, y'all. I'm taking flights to Japan for 18, 18 hour flights, man. That ain't nothing. <laughs> but look, look, look where you're going compared to where like she was going. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, going to Yale or just going to the, what is it called? The New England? Yeah, New England area. Oh. Um, I was like, I forgot. I graduated and I freaking blacked out. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> but yeah, New England. So going from California to like the New England area was like crazy. Like, again, I I came from a small town. Like, yeah, obviously I go to San Diego and LA a lot, but New England is just like so different it's just very like you see the like old like colonial cult like U.S. culture up there you know and it's like very much so like super PWI like it was very very rich very like prominent like I didn't know that much about Ivy Leagues um when I was like growing up I didn't really know much about Ivy Leagues like obviously you know of Harvard and Yale but like you don't really know what they're about and so just like living there I kind of felt like honestly felt like I just didn't belong there like I didn't think it was like really the place for me or or that I like I genuinely like fit in or like found like my niche group of people um once I first got there like I definitely felt like an outsider and that it was just like a big shock like oh shoot like did I make a really big big mistake honestly <laughs> to be completely candid um and that took a I took a minute to to kind of like change change my mind about that so what 
at what point did that change? Like, if it ever changed, like, did you kind of get acclimated there? Um, mm-hmm. I can remember, like I said, I mean, obviously I went to Quinnipiac, but like, um, Yale is a very different place. Like, even from Quinnipiac. Um, mm-hmm. So like, there is 100% an adjustment that that has to take place when you're trying to acclimate yourself to the people that are around the campus, students, mm-hmm. faculty, staff. Like, I'll never forget, um, quick story, I was in my LB's dorm room. I was with my guy Xavier. Shout out to Xavier. And uh Drew was there also. So uh-huh. we were in the room or whatever. And um I'm like, yo, bro, I got like, which one here? I forgot. I think he lived in uh Styles. Drew lived in Styles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I can't remember if we were in his dorm or Xavier's dorm. I think Xavier lived in like Stillman. But we were in I think I think we're in the one dorm, long story short. And I'm like, dang, like, bro, I gotta use the bathroom. I'm like, um, oh, actually, this is what happened. Okay. Well, at this time, Drew was was dating uh, a, a young lady. I'm not gonna say her name out there, but so we were in her room, yeah. her room, right? Uh-huh. So, mind you, at Quinnipiac, at our dorm, it's like, all right, baby, we got the men's floor, women's floor, uh-huh. men's floor, women's floor. So we in her room, we all chilling, ha ha, kicking. I'm like, dang, I gotta use the bathroom, and uh, I'm like, dang, I feel like going all the way upstairs though. Like, I'm not trying to go always get to use the bathroom. They're like, oh, dang, what you mean? I'm like, are we on the women's floor? Like, we in her dorm? Like, nah, all these bathrooms are, are uh, gender neutral. I'm like, yeah. wait, so y'all can use the same bathroom, the girls and the boys? Like, they're like, yeah. Like, I'm like, yo, that's, cr-. and that, it was like mind blow for me. Like, so I was like, uh, this is crazy. So mm-hmm. just from that experience alone, I'm like, yo, yeah, it was like, it's just different. It's very politically correct. Like, you can't, you can't say too much over there, do too much. So, um, for you though, like what at what point did it change when you were like, all right, like I'm kind of starting to get my feet under me, my body's starting to kind of get adjusted to being here. If that if that ever happened for you, like when did that kind of period happen for you? Honestly, I don't know if it ever truly like I truly adjusted. I feel like I just was able to like accept that I'm there, if that makes sense. So I feel like I never like ended up fitting the bill for like being like a Yale student like I'm very like I feel like there's like you come across a lot of people there but like the average person was like very serious about their academics they were like doing all of these um internships over the summer or like their parents are flying them out to like Rome to do something I don't know they're just like really on it and like trying to make these connections and trying to like make all these connections for for after graduation and me I'm just like there I was like a little party girl like I just wanted to like party and go out and meet people and like I was like super serious with soccer and I just like wanted to like skip school and go to training or like do an extra training and like do all of this and so I feel like I just I never actually like acclimated to entirely to be like a Yaley but I just like accepted that this is where I was going to be for the next four years. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that sounds bad, but I don't know. That was just how it was for me. That's real spirit, though. That's how that's real spirit right there. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I will say, like, I think when it comes to just, I guess, um, the whole Ivy League experience, right? Like when you look back on it now, I feel like. Cause like I said, I I spent a bunch of time at Yale because of my fraternity. Shout out the good, the good, the good bros out there. Yeah, take. Okay. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> he got the purple gold wristband on. We're not even gonna mention this to on here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, Always the monkey boys, yo. 
right, all right, now settle down, settle down. <laughs> um, so like I speaking on the, I, I think like so for example, Trey, our our, our good friend Trey Fields. Um, sometimes like when I talk to him about like Yale, he'll be like, yeah, like when I get on the public and people say you go to Yale, it's like, oh yeah, like you kind of want to breeze by it because as soon as you say I went to Yale, we're like, oh my god, yeah, like and they start like I guess people already have these kind of preconceived notions about somebody who went to Yale and like, but as you just touched on, it's kind of like when you look on back at the experience, it's kind of like a lukewarm experience for you, you know what I'm saying? Just kind of like just kind of getting acclimated and things like that, so. Looking back on your experience at Yale, like, um, you know, how do you describe it? Um, what are you left with when you kind of look back at your time there? Um, honestly, the my favorite thing just about Yale was honestly the friends that I've made there. And I definitely think that they're going to be like my friends, like for life, like Bobby. I think he's going to be my life forever. And so I'm glad that I ended up actually finding the like my niche group of people that um, I felt kind of like understood where I was coming from. And I feel like at one point or the other, um, we all felt that we didn't belong there. And I also don't know if that's just because we were like all black athletes at Yale, to be honest, but it probably probably had a really big, um, um, a really big reasoning for, for why we didn't feel <laughs> like we belonged there. Um, but like, honestly, the only thing that I like look back at at Yale is like how much time I was able to spend with all of my friends who are now just like scattered across the world. And I can like only see them like a year, like every year or two, um, just because they're like obviously doing their thing and I'm doing mine. Um, but that's definitely like the only <laughs> like super happy, positive experience that I can I can genuinely think of when when I think back of my Yale days. So so before before we kind of get to the next uh topic, I do wanna I do wanna sit here for a little bit because I think that um I actually wrote an article about about um the things that black students experience um at PWIs. Uh, mm -hmm. also a PWI and I wrote this, I wrote this in 2020, kind of at the peak of the whole you know, Black Lives Matter movement after George George Floyd was murdered and things like that. And um I can't help, but I want to take this opportunity because obviously Tank, he went to an HBCU, you know, he went to A&T. So like, um, not everybody kind of had the luxury to kind of have that experience, you know? And I think that there's obviously a, a plethora of, of opportunities that come from going to a PWI, coming, going to a Yale and things like that. But there's also a lot of things that you go through just mentally, personally, that a lot of people don't really know about and don't really speak on. Um, so... I want to give you opportunity to kind of talk to that next generation of athletes or that next, you know, Michelle Alozi that might be coming through Yale or Harvard or any PWI. Like, what advice would you give them in trying to, you know, navigate that space? You know, because as an African American in these spaces, like, you know, you're oftentimes the only African American person in your classrooms. You're often asked to speak on the behalf of your entire race. You're often having mm -hmm. it with people who are, you know, doing racist things on campus. At Quinnipiac, we had a blackface incident where, like, a student, uh, one of the students in the frats did a whole blackface thing and ha-ha, kikied about it like it was nothing. Um, mm -hmm. These are the things that you deal with, like, on a day-to-day -day basis at these campuses. So, like, you know, for you, what advice would you give to a student that's trying to navigate that, and especially somebody like yourself 
who had to come from all the way across the country where you don't have your family there with you. You don't really have a support system. It's not like you can just hop in the car and drive a couple hours home. It's like, nah, like you're, you're here. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. what advice would you kind of give to a person that's trying to navigate that experience in, in that space? Um, yeah, I feel like I would just say that like you belong. I feel like I didn't have enough people um, around me to kind of just like tell me like, you're like supposed to be here. Like, this is where you're supposed to be. Like you worked hard to be here. You're not here just because you're like a gifted athlete. And that's the only reason you're at Yale. Like, no, you worked your butt off in high school. You got good grades in high school. So like you're here, but you're also an athlete too. So that's obviously a bonus. And I feel that being at a PWI, especially like one like Yale, um, it was kind of that we were, like black athletes and we were at Yale because we were athletes and we wouldn't have been able to get in like otherwise I feel like that was kind of the the vibe that I would that I got uh, my four years there um and so I think to anyone any of the, the younger generation it's like that you genuinely like belong there um and even if like other people say that you don't like having that self-belief and truly like believing that you belong where you are um goes a really long a long way that's real that's real all right now just to sort of like switch your tempo like first of all there's so many facets to who you are as a person like i think we both i think both of us me and drew both feel like you're like a very intriguing person so like just to like switch your tempo a little bit and just sort of give like a little bit more insight on who you are. I got a series of questions, sort of like this or that questions. We'll start okay. very simple and then like we'll build it up to like, you know, a little bit more pressing questions. Okay. So we'll start, because you, Apple Valley girl, since that's you, we'll start East Coast or West Coast? West Coast. That was easy. What? Ooh, it's easy. Okay. Um, <laughs> <I'm so busy>. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we know. So we've we seen the IG. We've seen, we seen you put it on. Let's put it on for real. So don't so don't so once. Oh once. Ooh, okay. What would be more important for you to win? The World Cup or the Olympics? World Cup. Yeah, easily. Hey, we said that quick. <laughs> oh Whoa, easily. What? What? E- easily over the Olympics? Yeah. No, like the Olympics is like not well yeah, just the World Cup. Like it is the World Cup. You know what I mean? Like the Olympics is cool too, I guess. I'm just kidding. Wow. <laughs> wow. It's cool, I guess. <laughs> but it's not World Cup, you know what I mean? <laughs> I feel like I only no. say that though because World Cup is like just for soccer, but Olympics is like a trillion sport, you know? But like World Cup is like the only thing that's just for soccer. That's real. When it comes to purely on the field, did you enjoy more playing at Yale or did you enjoy more playing at Tennessee? Tennessee. Wow. Okay. Can we get a let's let's hear a little bit more about the about the volunteer yeah. style. <laughs> so, what was your time like, sort of, on the Tennessee tip, playing there, like going from yeah and now like grad and then playing for Tennessee? What was the time like playing for the volunteers? Oh my gosh, it was amazing. <laughs> it's so funny because whenever I like, it's unfortunate I think because when people ask me about Yale, I'm kind of like, uh, yeah, and I was like there for four years. But I was only at Tennessee for like, I think, eight months. And I like talk 
about it like I've been there for like six years like I just love Tennessee so much um just like it really felt like home and it, it was kind of like that safe feeling that I feel like a lot of people had when they um like chose their college you know um and it was just a place that I genuinely felt like I belong and I was surrounded by a lot of people um that not only looked like me but like wanted to aspire and reach the same goals that I did especially athletically um so it was just so fun to kind of be able to like work hard and play hard with them knowing that like we all had like the same goal at the end which was to go pro um and just having like a conference and a school that truly just wanted everyone to reach their full potential and go professionally um it's just insane what type of resources they were able to have and provide um there in the SEC um so it was just it was a really fun time for sure all right last one now I know like you're also a cancer research technician for the Texas Children's Hospital so what do you say is more fulfilling to you as a person being someone who is a cancer research technician and the wonderful work that you get to do there or being able to sort of live out your dreams playing professional soccer, now you can play for a Nigerian professional national team? I'd probably say cancer research um, because I feel like although playing soccer is super fulfilling to me and I feel like I probably do impact a lot of people's like journeys, um, hopefully through whatever type of mentorship I can do, like having a true impact on like a child's like actual life, like life or death situation um is just way more just like it's just deeper than than soccer you know um so definitely cancer research yeah so i think uh i think tate teed it up perfectly um for my next question um obviously you're playing professional soccer right now for the houston dash i know you guys are in the off season getting ready to gear up for preseason so if y'all watching this make sure y'all mm -hmm. set your notifications you know what i'm saying get ready for the uh, season that's getting ready to come up pretty soon in a few months here um, but you're also a freaking cancer research technician. Like at the same time, um, how, how are you able to kind of balance that? Because I think that, I mean, shoot, I'm over here playing professional basketball. I'm out here trying to do a podcast and like, I'm calling myself, you know, multifaceted. I'm, I'm more than an athlete. Meanwhile, uh -huh. I'm out here doing cancer research and I'm like, whoo, man, like she, she, I mean, she puts me to shame for real. So like, uh -huh. How do you, how were you able to, number one, how did that opportunity even come about? Like, you feel me? What was, how did you even get there and be able to swim that opportunity, number one? And then number two, how are you able to kind of balance that, you know, playing professional soccer and then doing that at the same time? Yeah, so um, actually, like, after the COVID year, um, which was my, like, first year playing pro, I was overseas. Um, and I came back after that just didn't work out, obviously. Um I like genuinely didn't know what I was going to do. I didn't have an agent or anything. So I didn't have like someone to like try to find a team for me. And so um, I graduated from Yale knowing that I, I eventually wanted to be a doctor. So I was like, you know, what? let me just like look at these uh, research technician jobs um, until I figure out what I'm going to do with soccer. Um, so I got the job before I actually signed my contract with Houston Dash, but I explained to my boss, Dr. Stevens, that I am a professional athlete and I'm like aspiring to hopefully like sign a contract soon. 
And I told her that like, I wouldn't be able to do it full time, but that I like really wanted to like be in the medical field. Um, Texas Children's Hospital is like one of the best um, hospitals in the world. And so I was like, I definitely want to be here um, and be able to like have an impact in whatever way I can. And God bless her soul. She was like so understanding and um, really wanted um, me to be able to like live both of my dreams of being in medicine and playing soccer. Um, so she really just works around my schedule. I'm able to kind of go into the lab um, whenever my free time allows it. Um, and I'm allowed to do a lot of stuff virtually too, thankfully. Um, so it ends, it ends up just like working out um, in between trainings and stuff. I'll just like pop over our um, training facilities really close to the Texas Medical Center and stuff. So it's like, it's genuinely like the perfect situation. Like God couldn't have teed it up any any better. <laughs> Shout out uh, Dr. Stevens, yo, for letting you balance like two 60 hour work weeks in the same week, yo. So Shout out to Dr. Stevens. Now, you sort of take the idea of, like, being more than an athlete to, like, uh, the next level. But, like, just sort of, like, keeping up with the theme of more than an athlete. I know that, like, you were actually getting posted on, on, on Interrupted just as part of their more than an athlete series with, like, a lot of bigger names, like Joe Burrow, Randy Johnson, like, people who are pivotal in their sports field that are doing things outside their sports field. Can you just sort of give us an insight on, like, what that mean to you to be just sort of selected to be pretty much a representative of like women's soccer along some pillars of sports history. Yeah, it was honestly insane. When I saw that, like I had no idea they were posting that. And I just kept seeing like my notifications go up. I was like, what is going on? Like, what is this? And when I saw that, I was like, wait, this is crazy. Cause I think that a lot of the time I, I don't give myself enough credit for everything that I do um and or I like belittle it a little bit and I'm just like oh it's just like cancer research like whatever like it's not a big of a deal you know um but seeing my name like alongside these like really amazing athletes also um just kind of like showed me and kind of um yeah just kind of gave me that that like assurance that like Michelle like you are having this impact on people and you're doing like more more than like a normal normal athlete like you're doing you are more than an athlete and I feel like especially growing up and being an athlete like that is all I am and it was just the one pillar that I kind of leaned on for so much but it's like nice now seeing that I have these different pillars that all make Michelle and if um, unfortunately or when that time happens that I'm not an athlete anymore I still have all these other um, pillars that that define me period now that was OC. <laughs> I seen that gym like, damn, we got Devin Booker, Ben Simmons, Joe Burrow, Randy Johnson, and Big Beach. Big Beach up there. I'm like, yo, she's golden for real. Like, she's golden for real. No cap. That was hectic. I ain't gonna lie. That was hectic. Yeah. So shout out to them for real. <laughs> no facts. Um, just, just, just be honest. If you feel like you were like the prettiest one to get posted out of all of them, I'm just, I'm just asking. I'm just curious. Wait, what'd you say? Did you feel like, you know, like you were the prettiest one to get posted out of like all four of y'all? Like, was that? No, I'm just asking. I'm just got Joe Burrow, like for sure. Be definitely got Benson. And, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, I wanted to ask you because I think this is something that I actually, I guess, battle with internally as well because 
you know, playing pro sports is hard, you know, because at the end of the day, you know, you mentioned like you have aspirations of being a doctor afterwards, right? And yeah. one of the things that I battle with, you know, even right now is like, all right, you know, I'm trying to get into the media space and, um, you know, journalism and TV and stuff like that. And it's like, it's hard because when you're pursuing sports full time, you almost have to put your professional aspirations on hold for Definitely. X amount of years, you know, until you're done playing. And it's like, at the end of the day, you know, this is our dream, right? Like, you know, it was your dream since you were a kid to be a professional soccer player. It was my dream to be a professional basketball player. But it's like, you look around and you see your friends who are at 22 or uh, Tank, 20 years old, graduating college and, you know, starting at ESPN at 21, right? Like, that's something that is, I'm 26 and I'm still playing in my sport. And I'm like, dang, all right. Shoot, if I want to play, if I'm blessed to play 10 years, I'll be 35, 36 trying to start my career. And you got guys like mm -hmm. 15 years in on me who already got their third, fourth, fifth promotion, you know? So yeah. for you, like, obviously you're, you're, I think you're trying to balance it the best you can, you know, doing the research now and trying to get your foot in the door. And the same with me trying to get this podcast stuff going while I'm still playing. But like, how do you balance that? Like, what, you know, do you ever think about things like, bang, like, you know, when should I stop playing soccer? Like, am I am I putting my my long term career on hold for too long? Right? Like, how do you balance that in your mind? Because I think it's a catch twenty two. You know, for for a lot of athletes in today's society. Yeah. No. Definitely. Um, it is definitely a hard thing to balance, and especially with going into the medical field or becoming a doctor, it's tough knowing that like I basically have like eight years before I'm like an actual doctor, like with my own practice or like actually having a really good salary, you know? And so to think that I'm like, okay, well, if I play soccer, like, so when I started when I was 22, so if I play soccer for 10 years and I stop at 32, I wouldn't, I would have to then go back to med school for four years and then do residency for four years. So I wouldn't be an actual doctor until I'm 40. And I'm like, what? I'm like, oh my gosh, like 40? Like I wouldn't start my job like my actual my next career until I'm 40 like that's crazy meanwhile there's like people that are about to finish and get their white coats and I'm like I'm like oh no like like what do I what should I do like and it's really hard to to kind of think of both of them and I think that I honestly just stopped thinking of that because it got very overwhelming and um like when I first started working at my lab job um I was like working crazy hours, like, like way too many hours. And um, I think I ended up talking to her and I was just like, Dr. Stevens, like, I'm honestly going to burn out. Like, I can't like be here as much as I've just been doing and still trying to like develop and like hone in my skills with soccer. Cause I'm still obviously trying to develop and to be the best soccer player that I can be. And so I just was like, so honest. And I was like, I think I'm going to burn out because like, this is just too much for me and kind of just putting too much pressure on myself to kind of be um, this everything person that I want to achieve. Um, so I think just like being kind of in the present moment and like just being happy with where I am right now and being proud for uh, myself for being where I am right now helps me not fear for the future too much. And instead, it just like makes me like excited for what I have right now, what's going to happen in the near future and just like look forward to the next step in my life. Like once that time gets there, if that makes sense. 
because if not then I feel like oh my gosh I'm just gonna go crazy <laughs> so um I think you said something that was super like uh interesting you know what I'm saying and something that I always think about too and it's like you were like yo if I start my next career at 40 right and I'm just thinking to myself it's like all right well what is the correct age to start something right you see people Joe Biden just became president for the first time and he's 70 I think like you know what I'm saying it's uh, like if you start your career as a doctor at 40 and you work for 20 years like you're still 60 you still have a lot of life left to live shoot like Angela Bassett, like 60 right now, she looks like she's about 40. You know what I'm saying? Like, so <laughs> I don't know. I think I always ask myself that too. It's like, all right, well, everybody has to run their own race, right? And it's like, if you get to your goals at 35 or 45, it's like if you as long as you make it to the destination, it's like it's it's you never it's never too late or too old. You know what I'm saying? I think in today's society with social media, everybody's looking at everybody else, it's like, dang, like that person got this at 25 and that person did that at 30. Like, that's what I want. But it's like, at yeah. the end of the day, if you reach your goals at 40 or 37 or whatever the case may be at 50, if you reach your goals, it's like, that's cool. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like literally like, and there, there there's no rush to make it to where you want to go. You know what I'm saying? So I think that's yeah. what I've kind of told myself and that's kind of helped me <laughs> um, to kind of get over that whole thing now. You know what I'm saying? But it's easier said than done for sure. Easier said than done. <laughs> uh, I can't really. I got ESPN at 21. But um, either way. <laughs> either, either way. Hold on. Hold up. This would be your first episode, <laughs> sir. Hey. Oh, <laughs> uh, but I don't like you were speaking right then. Um, you know, like about you go from like putting on a jersey and to like potentially putting on a white coat. But like in the meantime, you put together some nice fits, like now, is that is that the is that the Valley Girl coming out, or is it like the Houston flow, or bro, be honest, is it like the Yale drip? Because I'm up there now, so I see it. So if it's the Yale drip, you can say that. You can say it. I don't see what to give Yale no credit. <laughs> Yale drip. <laughs> oh, bro, it, it, it gets swaggy up here. It gets a little swaggy up here. Uh, <laughs> it really though. Does it really? Not at all. No, I, I, <laughs> I love putting on a fit, though. I feel like I've always, that, like, fashion and just dressing is obviously, like, a great way to just express yourself um, in such, like, a small way. Like, it's really just clothes that you're putting on. Um, and so I just love doing it. I love shoes, especially, like, big sneaker head. I really need to stop because, um, like, I have like two breads and they're like kind of the same. I'm like, why do I have both of them? Like, I don't need both, you know, but um, I just like, I love it. It's a great form of self-expression and um, it's fun to just like step out. Like I love being like overdressed to things or people like, bro, we're just going, we're just going to get coffee. And I'm like, in stilettos, I'm like, and like, I don't get it. What's, what's the issue? Um, but it's just fun. Like, why not? Like, it's fun to put a, put together a fit and just, just like be yourself, you know. So, like, would you you being an athlete that's sort of like already throw on fits, like you already got a lot in your bag? What do you feel like? Do you feel like you're probably maybe the best female dressed athlete out there? I mean, you're already been voted best dressed for your team, so like, do you feel like you're already the best in your like in the women's league? Do you feel like you're just the best dressed women athlete? Period. 
<laughs> I wouldn't say that. I feel like there's a lot of people stepping. Um, Ashlyn Harris, she just um, retired, but she played for Gotham last year. She was a goalkeeper and played for the U.S. Women's National Team. She'd be having fits on. Like, I'd be looking at her with her, like, coordinated pantsuit and, like, Gucci glasses. And I'm like, hold on. Like, you got to hold fit on. Same with Meg Rapino. Um, our, my new teammate, D Ordonia, is, like, also be having fits. So I just love it. Like, I feel like the women's – I'm glad that there's more light being put onto the women's game, which also allows us to kind of, like, step harder with our outfits now that we'll actually get, like, recognized and stuff. Um, so I, I would say I'm, I'm up there. I wouldn't, I won't claim the crown. I don't think I deserve that quite yet, but, um, I'll definitely say I'm, I'm up there. Maybe like top 10 for sure. <laughs> period. Period. Uh, I would say, I was about to say Megan Rapino and Sue Bird, they both be stepping as a couple. They be, they putting it on. Sue Bird be oh stepping. stepping. They, nah, it's, it's OD. Like way too hard. Like they need to chill. Like we need to breathe for a second. But whenever they're at an event together, I just know it's about to be crazy. I love it. Thanks. Back. So I think that's the perfect segue into one of my favorite segments on the podcast. Um, it's called Match or Mismatch. Shout out to our other host Alexis who came up with this segment. Um, so match is gonna be kind of a play on like you know fashion trends that are in that you're digging. I got a couple questions for you, and then mismatch is pretty much like things that you know you're. Okay, we'll see and go. Thing that you know, kind of thumbs down vibe. So, um, for a match, what would you say is one of your favorite fashion trends that you have? Right, that, that I guess that, that that you've seen right now, something that you like, maybe something that's up and coming. Uh, what's something that you're seeing right now that you're like, oh, all right, you know, I could kind of put that into my own wardrobe. I love the low waist vibes, like um, with female fashion, especially. Um, the low rise jeans, the low rise skirts, all of that like super baggy look. I love that with like a tiny little micro, like micro bra or something like that. Like I love the like juxtaposition of all of that. So definitely the big baggy low rise style with the tiny tops. Okay, okay. And how would you describe your fashion sense? Like when you dress, how do you describe you know your your fashion sense, your style? Yeah, I feel like I'm very 90s in general. So whether that be like a high fashionist day when I'm like in a dress and like some big like platform boots or if it's like street style or if I'm like trying to hone in my Leah vibes, like I think I'm just very in the 90s era um, for sure. So I think um, in my opinion, I think fashion today is becoming a lot more like unisex. Like we're seeing... Men wear a bunch of things that used to be considered feminine, and women are like you mentioned stepping into the baggy stuff and things like that. Yeah. Uh, what would you say are some of your favorite like unisex uh, trends, unisex fits, kind of going on right now? Ooh, my favorite unisex fits. Um, so it doesn't look right on everyone, but when Jordan Clarkson be wearing like the long skirts, for some reason, it's like a vibe, like. He just knows how to he knows how to work it. And I love that he's like able to like not or he's like able to make it a vibe. Like so I'm a big fan of that because I'm like, just put on a skirt. Who cares? It's just a little skirt. Whatever. It's not going to hurt you. You know what I mean? Um, so I love that. And for women, I'm glad that um, cargos kind of came in because I feel like that was kind of just only a, a men's fashion trend. Um, but then women started wearing it and I'm obsessed. Same with the blazer, like the oversized blazer. 
you know, we had Justin Robinson on our last episode, and he said something that I think is facts. He was like, you know what? When you're a when you get established as like a fashion guy in the NBA, like Jordan Clarkson is, or just in sports in general, whether you're a football player, soccer player, whatever, once you get established in that fashion as a fashion person, you can wear anything and people can be like, oh, that's fire. Like they ain't putting it on. Like I think Jordan Clarkson is definitely in that category. And I think you just put sure. it like you, okay. Cause some people, if he threw that skirt on, he'd be like, boy, what is you wearing? Like if it's yeah. skirt on. Yo, they're gonna be like, boy, what is you wearing? Like, but if it's yeah. the pucks, and they're gonna be like, fire, bro. Oh, he's seen you know what I'm saying? Uh, hey man, you know, hey, I guess it takes a while to get to that point, but hey, if you got it, you got it. You know what I'm saying? You gotta, you gotta put it on. <laughs> so um now we're gonna go ahead and go to mismatch. So what do you think is a fashion trend that you want to see go or is it really in your cup of tea at the moment? Fashion trend that I'm not vibing with. Um, I think like the, I don't want to say childish. I don't know how to explain it. Like it's like a, like the beadish jewelry stuff trend that kind of came out. Like it looks like like literally beaded jewelry that you'd like used to make when you're like ten and you had like best friend bracelets. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I'm not a fan of that, but like people had like huge chunky chains with it. Um, I feel like just because, again, the 90s era kind of went crazy last year. Um, But I wasn't a big fan of that. Um, And with all the, like, crazy colors, like, I just was like, I I thought it didn't, it looked a little tacky. But that was just, that was just me. (laughs) Okay, fair, fair. I remember seeing you back in the day at Yale, man, you definitely, you definitely been stepping, you know what I'm saying? You definitely been stepping since since back in the day. So I I will give you that. Some folks is like... They don't really start dressing until they get some money or until they get a little lit, they get a little motion. So I can definitely attest that Meek's definitely been putting it on since back in the day. You know what I'm saying? Um, Love it. <laughs> but I got to ask you, so speaking about, you know, back in the college days, New Haven, I want to ask you a couple quick hitters about, about New Haven, man, because, you know, us us Quinnipiac folks, we was always going downtown to Toes on a Saturday night. You know what I'm saying? I know y'all did Wodes on Wednesdays, you know, but what was your kind of what were some of your favorite hangout spots in New Haven that you would hit, you know, when you were going out trying to have a good time? Whenever, oh my gosh, I just knew regardless, my night had to end at Zeta, which was uh, a frat. Yeah. It was like the black <laughs> football. Yeah, it was like kind of like the black frat for us. Um, even though Zeta site is not a black frat at all. Um but- that was definitely like the big hangout and I just knew my night always had to end there for sure. Um, so I feel like honestly just Zeta. And then when I got kind of like in my senior year, um, I went to box a lot, which I heard apparently is closed. And I'm like, what? They're closed. But I loved box too. Box has great pizza for sure as well. Also, um, you know, Zeta might've been where I first met you. I'm trying to think back. I'm not, I don't recall, but I know we met somewhere in New Haven. And then from there, we found out that we had a bunch of common friends. But I feel like it might have been Zeta. Uh, it might have been. It was definitely some some uh, some crazy nights in there as well. I know <laughs> it was definitely a couple of spots. We used to hang out at the basketball house too, uh, with, with Trey. Oh, basketball house. Of course, the basketball house. Yeah. Thanks. Um, okay. So, favorite pizza spot in New Haven? Okay. Well, Mm, I'm not I'm not much of a pizza girl I didn't really like eat around the pizza I'm not a big cheese person so I don't really like pizza 
Mm. So I didn't really like even go to to all the cool places that people said were like world renowned. So. Yo, New Haven has some of the best pizza. In- Have you been down there, Tank, yet to get some good pizza in New Haven? Put put me on, put me on, cause like oh I'm sitting God. here like gotten for real. I, the only the only place I've been is like it's like Frank Pepper, you know, like they be gassing it here. So like, yeah. I, I peed it out. It was, yeah, it was like what you think I, of it? Like I was like okay, yeah. I, I ain't gonna call it mid. I ain't gonna call it mid because I still stay in Connecticut. They'll get it was it was solid. It was solid. Was Pepe's the one that did the crazy like toppings? Like they would do like some crazy random pizza. I think. It, I think it. I like the, the mashed. The timeout. No, no, no. That's box. Box. That's box. Box and the mashed potato pizza. Oh, I, I, I'm lying. I'm lying. I'm lying. Bar, 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 bar. New bar. Haven has exceptional pizza. Oh my god, yeah. exceptional! If you're in New Haven, check out Bar. Um, it's definitely one of my favorite places to go to. Pet Base is another one that's super famous. There's one more of the super famous ones that I went to with my coach. And for the life of me, I can't remember the name of it right now. So I'm going to have to, like, put it in the, the description or something on YouTube. Um, Yorkside at their toads was a, a very frequent oh. drunk night pizzas, pizza slice. Yeah, so good. So greasy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I think, I think you know, definitely some uh, – New Haven has some gems. So if y'all check out this podcast, man, make sure y'all go to New Haven and just, you know, go – Go around, you know, make make your rounds around the town and, and try the pizza out. Um, if you if you're not in Connecticut, don't do not come up here just for New Haven. Do not do not do that. <laughs> now, where 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 is the mashed potato pizza, John? Bar. That John sounds bar. freaky. That oh, is bar? crazy. Yo, listen to it was, me. It was like it wasn't that. It really just tasted like you're eating mashed potatoes with like cheese on top on bread. Like it wasn't crazy. You know what I mean? Nah, 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 nah. It was fire. I ain't gonna lie to you. I like no, it. I'm saying it's like a crazy taste because they use like white sauce too. So it white was sauce, like, not red sauce, white sauce. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I'm following it. It was different. It, I, it, I'm like I potatoes on pizza, man. but like I don't yeah. have no salty kick to it. It was like yeah. I don't know. They, they did a thing with it. It wasn't nothing that was like, oh, that's the best thing ever. But it was. I was surprised because I didn't expect it to be good, and it was good, in my opinion, at least. In my opinion. Yeah, I thought- it, it, it must have really smacked though because she just she's like nodding and she's like yes and the whole time you get one of these the whole time you talking about it. <laughs> I just remember telling me I had to try the pizza because it was like oh it was like the cool pizza like mashed potato pizza I was like okay can everyone relax I remember eating and I was like oh this is solid like it's it's pretty good it's pretty good it must be solid because you said you don't even eat pizza like that so for you to give it a a, a, a positive review it must have been good it didn't have that much cheese on it. We were good. We were good. <laughs> I will say, man, disclaimer, the first time I had bar, I was um I was not sober. We'll say that. So that might have enhanced that might have enhanced my 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 review on the pizza just a smidge, but nonetheless it had, oh. it had positive reviews. <laughs> um, <laughs> I wanted to ask you because I, I saw I see a bunch of content uh from you know a page on Instagram called the off season. And I mm-hmm. took a little scroll over and I saw it's kind of like a a question of, I look like soccer players that you guys are kind of just posting content, vacation stuff, fun stuff, mm-hmm. kind of hang out together. Um, you know, what is that page about? And like, I think I've, I've enjoyed the content that I've seen on it, kind of scrolling and seeing what you guys are doing, like, you know, behind the scenes. I saw the mm-hmm. video trying to crack the coconut. That was a yeah. there. Um, but just talk about that page and kind of what, what that whole platform is. 
Yeah, so basically the, the off-season is something that Midge Purse um, has created. Um, she is a player for Gotham and the NWSL and for the U.S. Women's National Team. And she just wants, like, women's soccer players to kind of be able to have, like, a really dope athletic experience and a dope um, athletic training um, during the off-season. So she kind of created this to invite um, a bunch of um, players in our league um, or abroad or whatever to come to it was in Florida this year it was in Palm Beach um, to go to Palm Beach for about like two weeks and to just like do some really good dope um, training but while also like posting a lot of content and so we just have a, like a film crew um, kind of just follow us around for two weeks. Um, got like a lot of behind the scenes stuff with just like us living or us like going out or us training and stuff like that. Um, and it was, it was really dope. It was a really fun time. And um, I'm hoping that it really like a lot of investors like get behind it. Cause I think it's a really dope idea, especially now that women's soccer is um, finally growing and women's sports in general is growing. So hopefully uh, people are able to tap in and we can continue to do it every year. And it just makes it a little bit bigger and bigger every time. I think that's dope. I think uh, for the people who are listening, man, make sure you guys check that out. Cause when I was doing my scroll through the page, I enjoyed a lot of the content that I, that I saw in there. Um, I think I just enjoy watching behind the scenes content, you know, as well. Yeah. What goes into the people's lives outside of the sport. And uh, I also love a, a good time, you know what I'm saying? So any vacation content, Partying, hey. I'm all for it. I'm all for it. <laughs> um, I want to ask you, man, before we get you off, man. Well, actually, let me let me ask Tank if he has any 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 more questions for you before I ask you our, our final question. Nah, she all yours. Do it. So before before we wrap, um, I always ask our guests who is one person that you want us to have on the show. Um. Doesn't have to be an athlete. It could be an athlete. It could be somebody who you think is influential uh, in their space. Um, but the catch is, whoever you say, you got to give us the little assist. You know what I'm saying? Give us a little. I'm making a little kicking thing here. You can't see on the camera because my legs ain't that long. I'm not flexible like you. But uh, give us a little assist, and uh, you got to help us get them on. So who is somebody who you think would be uh, dope to have on what's in your bag? I feel like definitely Soraya. Did you ever meet Soraya? I've Tinker? heard her name before. I've heard the name before, and I feel like I may have came across her, but I'm like, kind of. If I if you see her face, you'll know. But I would definitely say Freya Tinker played um, women's ice hockey at Yale. She was the first black woman on the Yale ice hockey team, which I think is insane to to think that in 2015 she was the first black woman on the, the hockey team. I'm like, interesting. Um, but I feel like she's making a big path for black women in ice hockey and she's definitely making a name for herself so I think she she is definitely giving them more than an athlete vibe and and I'm sure she'd love to be on the podcast too I'm super burnt you know why because I was just talking to Trey about her like literally I'm gonna show you because you, you can see if you watch this on YouTube Trey Trey gave me <laughs> ooh, let me not hire her number on here but Trey gave me a number was told me that uh you could put that he should be on here too so when for you get sure. to meet Miss she's definitely goaded. So I'm gonna definitely reach out to her for sure. Um, yeah, I'm about to make sure I put her number up there up there on the screen for these creeps, so they don't be texting her. <laughs> but um, but now nah, for sure, I'm gonna definitely reach out to her and get her on because 
I think they were def- that she definitely has an amazing story. Um, I've already mm-hmm. gave her Instagram a little scroll and, and seen her. She definitely doing some amazing stuff. Um, yeah. that's lit. That's lit. Um, as we wrap up, man, I just want to say, um, it's super dope to see where you're at now. Um, like I said, I, I think back to the times, all them times we were out in the New Haven streets partying and having a good time, cooking at the basketball house with Trey. Just around, yeah. like, just seeing what you've been able to do, um, making your own way, right, with the Houston Dash and the Nigerian national team and doing cancer research and, like, all the amazing things that you're doing, both on and off the the field is, is truly amazing It's truly inspiring. And um, I've thoroughly enjoyed this conversation and being able to just catch up with you and allow the world to hear your story. And um, just want to say, keep doing your thing. I'm super proud of you. Um, I think that this is just the beginning for everything that, that, that you're going to accomplish. Like I said, the World Cup is coming soon. We're going to manifest and pray to the Lord, to the Lord that you're going to be on that roster so we can cheer you on, hear what's in your bag. But um, I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for coming on. Like I said, uh, I know this won't be the last conversation that we'll have. We just got to circle back and uh, do a little catch up, you know, in a few years or after you guys win the World Cup. You know what I'm saying? That'll be amazing. We can get the, the first interview after y'all win. You know what I'm saying? Um, <laughs> Yeah, man, I just want to give you your flowers. You know, let you know that, like I said, I'm super proud of you. You're doing great things. And um, I'm super honored to have been able to have this conversation with you today. No, this was so fun. And I really appreciate it, Drew. It was so nice to meet you too, Tank. Um, But yeah, I'm really honored that you allowed me to be on your podcast. And I love to see you doing these big things too. And I'm glad you're able to, you know, grow your post-athlete um resume too and you're doing your media thing and I love to see I just love to see all my friends um winning so I I love to see this for you so I'm really appreciative for this opportunity and I can't wait to see it when you post it (laughs) yes 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 I cannot wait I cannot wait man if you're back in California like I said you know my you know my my brother Aaron he's he's uh working for the Clippers now in LA so I'll be back I'm gonna be in LA uh Hopefully it's all season. So maybe we can do a little Cali link up, you know what I'm saying? And, and, and uh, have a good time like back in the old days. For yeah. sure. <laughs> um, all right, guys, this has been another episode of the What's in Your Bag podcast presented by Bet Online. Uh, make sure you guys are liking this podcast, subscribing to this podcast. Give us a five-star rating. It goes a very long way. Uh, tell a friend to tell a friend. It's going to be pull up Tay on the outro. Until next time, folks. Peace. Suave, 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 suave. I've been in my bag for a while, I'm invincible. Story of a young boss, grinding shit critical. Calling on my bros one time, cause you special. I had some hood dreams of right rounds for my mentor. Every target that I shoot is on point like a pencil. Different route, change relationships, I'm so sorry. Came up from the trenches and I made it, I say hardly. Now- Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.